Good morning, Hope Church. So good to be with you guys. And God said, let there be light. And light appeared. How's that work? Well, welcome to week three of a message series we call Via Dolorosa. Via Dolorosa was the actual road that Jesus took uh, and carried the cross to uh, what is called Golgotha, the place of the skull, where he would ultimately be crucified. And, and what the Lord put on my heart to bring us a message as we prepare our hearts for Easter. How many of you ready for Easter? Come on, I'm ready for me. Love me some Reese's peanut butter eggs. Come on, somebody, can I get an amen? Thank you. And uh, love me some Easter. But what I love about Easter is it is a reminder to us of what Jesus did, his death, his burial, and most importantly, his resurrection. In fact, Paul said that uh, if, if Jesus never resurrected, you know, uh, we are the most to be pitied because our hope only lies in this life and in this world. And so um, I love the celebration of Easter. And so I just want to personally invite you guys to invite your friends, invite your family. We're going we're gonna to celebrate. We're going to go big. And as always, we're going to have some fun for the kiddos with the helicopter Easter egg drop. Um, and then Friday night, we're going to have Good Friday service. And I know for many of you who are part of our Hope teams and you guys serve so faithfully, I just want to thank you. Can we give it up for our Hope teams? Come on, just... Thank you so much. Like, you guys are amazing. Couldn't do it without you. And uh, specifically for Good Friday, that's, that's a service for, for you. Um, as many of you are going to be serving on Easter Sunday, it's a time for you get to just reflect. It's actually one of my personal favorite uh, services that we have in the year because it's a little bit more reflective. We're going to read some scripture. I'm not necessarily going to preach a message to you, but just uh, we're going to read scripture together. We're going to take communion together. We're going to worship in a very intimate setting and, and remind ourselves of the price that Jesus paid so that you and I can celebrate big on Sunday. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. But uh, today, we're going to continue the journey on the road um, to the cross. And uh, today is actually Palm Sunday. I don't know. How many of you understand or realize the significance of what Palm Sunday is? But Palm Sunday was the day that Jesus would be ushered into Jerusalem. It would, it would start the Holy Week or uh, the Passion of the Christ, which is uh, the week of Easter, which we are embarking on today. And, and even today, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, it was a day where Jesus... Uh, would be seated on a donkey and enter into Jerusalem triumphantly as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Really, and I think prophetically speaking to a time where he would come back. And this time he's coming on a white horse. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and he is going to be worshipped whether you like it or not. So, but I love that, that Jesus, it was a foretaste and a foreshadow of him being worshipped as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and they would sing Hosanna in the highest, blessed be the name of the Lord. And as he was coming into town on that donkey, they would lay, lay palm branches down um, in front of him, and they would celebrate. It was a celebration. I think it would just be appropriate before I even begin to preach. Can we just give Jesus some praise? Because he's worthy, isn't he? He is the triumphant king. He is the King of Kings, and He is the Lord of Lords, and I think He deserves even better praise than that. Come on, somebody. Throw your hands up in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. Come on. <laughs> we like to praise Jesus in this house, and so unapologetically, 
I'm going to dance like David before the Lord. I don't care who's looking. I don't care who's critiquing. But for me and my house, we're going to praise Jesus and we're going to lift up his name. And, uh, and so I just, before I even, even begin to preach this morning, I just want to recognize that this is all about him. It is all for him. It's all about Jesus. And so that's one of the things I love about this message series is we are taking this journey, the journey following the journey that Jesus took to Golgotha, to the place where he would be crucified. I believe there's significance in every step of that journey. And so week one, it began that journey with a, in a garden where Jesus had to surrender his will so that you and I could experience the salvation that he had for us. And the journey doesn't go any further without that wrestling. And you saw the humanity side of Jesus knowing the high price that he would have to pay and the suffering that he would endure so that you and I could experience the salvation, that we get to sit here and enjoy this fellowship with him, free of the next week, which was last week, where I, I preached to you a message that he was condemned for our conscience. And so we see that Jesus makes his way from the garden to a prison, where he would be brutally flogged, beaten, bloodied, put a crown of thorns on his head, mocked, insulted, spit on, and beaten to literally an inch of death. And in that state, I believe that he took on the condemnation that you and I deserved. You and I were Barabbas. <laughs> we deserved death. We deserved that death sentence that was put on him. And so last week I thought was a really significant message in that we need uh, his condemnation led to me being able to have a clear conscience of my sin, where he washed it away. And the Bible says that he cast it as far as from the east as to the west, and that he, he sees it no more. Like, and, but for many of us, the enemy of our soul wants to keep us entrapped in a prison of condemnation, of shame and guilt. So we never fully step into the fullness of what Jesus paid a high price for. I was telling our staff this past week that uh, I believe personally, you know, most scientists believe your brain is the most powerful muscle that you have in your body. And yet, researchers say that we only use about 8% of its power, of its capability. And, and you know, I can see that <laughs> in, in my own life and in other people's lives. Uh, but the reality is, I personally believe for most of us, we only tap into the resurrection life and power that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again from about 8%. I really think that. And so part of you know, my goal in this message series, and I believe not just my goal, the goal of the Holy Spirit that wants us to be able to exercise more of that power that Jesus died to give you and me. And so today we move from that prison cell free, cleansed of that condemnation, free of guilt and shame, so that we might be empowered to live a sinless life. But for many of us, the reality is this. We don't know how to do that. We don't have enough strength to do that. In fact, for most of us, the reality is that we feel incredibly weak in our following of Christ because we continue to stumble, we continue to sin, we continue to have weakness in our life, and we continue to experience hardships and troubles, and we suffer in this world. And yet Jesus said, take heart, in this world you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. And now greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And therefore, I have everything I need to overcome every weakness 
every temptation, every sickness, every disease, every bad habit, every suffering that I might go through, that Jesus paid the price so that I can be strong and strengthened in the middle of everything that I'm going to face and go through in life. And so today we pick up the story now where Jesus is really beaten, bloodied, and really an inch away from death. And now, instead of him just walking like the other two prisoners up to his execution site at Golgotha, they put the heavy burden of the cross on his shoulders. And now, mind you, his back being bloody, tore open from the cat nine tails that were used, little sharp pieces of bone and stone that would not only whip his back, but literally rip the flesh uh, out from him so that it was so raw and bloody. Now he's carrying this heavy piece of wood with splinters and rubbing into those wounds, causing excruciating pain down to the nerves. Um, this is, I mean, unimaginable. In fact, one of the words, do you know that where we get the word excruciate, like, as in excruciating pain from? Excruciate is actually derived from what Jesus experienced on the cross. It literally means of the cross, excruciating pain. Because there was no word to describe the type of pain and the suffering that Jesus would be under so that you and I could experience strength. And that's what I want to talk about to you today. So we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 27, verse 32. Matthew chapter 37, verse 32. And as they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And there they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, a gall was, uh, it, was a, it was a drug to ease the pain, to numb your, your body. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This Jesus, King of the Jews. And two rebels were crucified with him one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Now you want to underline that in your Bible. Come down from the cross. Look at the taunts. If you are the son of God, in the same way the chief priests and teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. For sending your son Jesus. Thank you for the beautiful gift of his life that he took on my sin, my shame, my guilt. He suffered for me. And God, I thank you that he didn't just suffer, but he rose again in power and in strength and in might 
so that he could give us the helper to help us, empower us, and strengthen us. God, I pray today that you would break off any, any self-confidence, any self-reliance, any self-strength that we would try to follow you in. I pray today that we would fully surrender ourselves to you, that we would learn to take up our cross and fully be dependent upon your strength. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Now, church, would you just take a moment to pray for our nation? Uh, I tell you this every week. I hope you don't get tired of it. But I just have a conviction that the church needs to pray for our nation. I think we're in dire straits. I think we've come to a place in our nation. We're at a crossroads. And unless the church, the people of God, lift our voice to heaven and cry out to God for mercy and to forgive us and to heal this land, we're in trouble. That's my personal conviction and personal belief. But can we just take a moment to pray together corporately? That means when I pray, you're not just listening to me pray, you're praying proactively with me. Can we do that together for a moment? Father, thank you for the great nation of the United States of America and that we have the privilege and the honor to uh, live on the backs of those who suffered before us and sacrificed their life so that we can uh, worship you in freedom and live in this country of freedom. But Father... I want to ask that you forgive us. Forgive us for turning our backs on you and from going our own way. I pray that you would hear from heaven and heal our land. Forgive us, God, that you would empower us with revival. Father, we ask that you would send revival on the great nation of the United States again. God, once again, just like you did in the past, would you do it again, Lord? I pray that you bring revival to Washington, D.C. God, we pray for our Congress and the Senate. We pray for President and Vice President. We pray, that God, that you would touch them, empower them, that you would change and turn their hearts towards you, and that revival would start in Washington, D.C. Sweep over this nation once again. And God, I pray that you would let revival begin with me. Let it begin in my heart. Let it begin in this church. Let it begin in this valley. Let it begin in this state of Montana, God. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. God's good, isn't he? Man, I still believe in this country. I still believe God can do something with it um, as we surrender and as we as the church start being activated in the church. And uh, God's been speaking to me so much on that note that I just feel so compelled that um, the church really needs to rise up. And I'm just, I'm so grateful for um, not just the word of God, but the implication of the Word of God, what it means to you and me, the, the empowerment from the Word of God, and how when we begin to walk out. You know that part of coming to church isn't just about listening to the Word of God. It's activating the Word of God in your life. Uh, actually, researchers show that within 24 to 48 hours, if you don't do something to activate the Word that you just heard, it will die out. And I think that's a big problem uh, for a lot of us, especially in the church, is that we hear, we say, yes, amen, we agree with it, but, but the reality is, is we don't really believe it unless we activate it in our life. The proof of our belief is faith. Faith is walking out what we believe. It's activating it in our life. And so I pray today that this message would get activated in your life. I, I believe that's a word for somebody that maybe the strength that we need uh, or the lack of the strength that we have is directly related to the lack of faith walking out the word that we already hear. I, you know, it kind of drives me crazy a little bit when people say, oh, pastor, I just don't feel like I'm getting fed. I just don't feel like I'm getting fed. 
And the reality is, is we, we just, we want to hear a, a good message, but we don't want to live out what we're hearing. We don't want to walk it out. And the power comes from walking it out. Come on, this is for somebody. This isn't even my notes. This is bonus material before I even get into my message. But, but I really believe that the power comes from walking it out. And that really ties into what the Lord put on my heart to share with you today. The title of my message is, He Suffered for My Strength. Suffered for My Strength. I don't know how many of you have ever um, gone to a job interview, but I remember as a young man, you know, brushing myself up from playing Donkey Kong Jr. on my Nintendo 64 and, uh, you know, getting get my scrubby T-shirt off and putting on a dress shirt and putting a, a tie on and trying to figure out my little clip on, you know, get that, get that all situated and my nice khakis and, uh, and get my, my hair all slick and combed back and looking real good and putting my best foot forward to go on a, a job interview. And uh, even though it was for like working at the like Taco Loco or something like that um, as a dishwasher, you know, I wanted to present, you know, my best self to the guy who, you know, could either hire me or not and had the power to hire me. And so I wanted to present myself as, you know, together. I got this. I'm together. I'm strong. I could do this job. And, and inevitably, you know, you start the interview and people ask you, you know, well, why do you think you're qualified for this job? And, uh, you know, what are some of the things that you've done, you know, that uh, accomplishments that you have that think that will contribute to this job? And, well, you know, I, I, I wash the dishes every once in a while at my house. And so, um, you know, I think that I've got some good qualifications there and everything like that. But, but inevitably, uh, in part of the interview process, and a lot of you have experienced this, there comes to a point, and I believe a good person to hire you will ask this question. I try to implement this in my hiring practices and processes in the church, but they'll ask you the question that none of us want posed to us, and that is this. What is your biggest weakness? What's your biggest weakness? And, and, and even in asking that question, it's like, well, do I want to really tell them the area that I'm weak in or, you know, kind of maybe just give them a little bit? Well, you know, I, I could be stronger here uh, AKA I suck in that area, but you know, um, I'm not going to totally disclose my weakness because then I'm going to look weak to somebody. I'm going to look like I'm not qualified. Like I, I can't, I can't do this. And most of us, I think, fall into this trap, even in our Christian life, where we come to church, we put on a smile, we put on our Sunday best. Well, some of us, and, um, and we, we try to, we go on Instagram and we want to present the best self that we can. We want to appear strong. In fact, we had an awesome time hanging out with the men Monday night at men's movie night. And we had a little man-to-man -man conversation afterwards. And, and one of the things that I think came out of that men's night is this, is that as men, we're taught from a very young age that we have to be strong. That you hide your weaknesses. Because you don't want anybody to perceive you as weak. As men, we have to be strong. You know, big, big boys don't cry. So there's not, you can't show weakness. You can't uh, exude any type of weakness. Nobody can know the struggles uh, and the reality of the struggles and the weaknesses that we deal with privately. But publicly, we got to present ourselves in a way that we're strong. And so 
This has been exasperated by our culture and by our, our social media where, you know, we show us in our best self and take five pictures to get the best one and we show our beautiful house, but we don't go in that closet. You know that closet? You know the one I'm talking about? The one that you put all the stuff you don't know what to do with and it's a mess, but you don't show pictures of that. No. You show pictures of our strengths, the things we do well. And I think our culture of, of valuing strength and devaluing weakness is the opposite of the kingdom of God. And what we see is this man, Jesus, who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And in fact, five days later, whatever, he was being hailed as, as the Lord, as king. And now here he is being beaten. And this messed with the disciples' minds. They couldn't wrap their heads around this because in their minds, a king doesn't get beaten. A king doesn't get crucified. Even Peter would say, God forbid, Jesus, you're not going to go to the cross when Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples for what they were going to see him suffer and go through. And yet, um, Peter couldn't handle it. He's like, no, 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 no. You're, you're the king. Kings don't. Kings are strong. They're not weak. You don't get beaten. You don't get bloodied. You're not going to get beat up. They're not going to kill you. You're, you're the man. You're powerful. You can call on legions. You know what a legion is? It's like uh, 6,000. And, and then we, here we see this Jesus, that he has the strength to save himself if he wants to. Oftentimes, you know that in the Bible, there's two types of power. One is dunamis power. It's where we get the word dynamite. It's literally like strength. It's like raw brute strength. But we see the humanity of Jesus being beaten so bad that he's actually in a place of hypo, uh, hypovolemic shock. And what that means is that his body has lost so much volume. That's where you get the vol, hypovolemic shock. He's, he's lost so much blood that what happens is he is so weakened by the loss of blood, his heart begins to race because it's trying to pump what little blood is left in his body to get it to the extremities where they need strength. And so his heart is racing, trying to pump as much and as little as blood through his veins as possible. At the same time, his, his kidneys are shutting down uh, from creating urine waste, which allows waste to continue to circulate through his bloodstream. And because it's trying to conserve water, because blood is made through water. And so he would be very, very thirsty. All this would create a condition of shock where he would black out, that uh, he would go through phases where he would just black out, fall to the ground in complete and utter weakness. And so here we see Jesus in one of his most vulnerable, weakened states. Yet I believe that the strength that this man operated under he may not have had dunamis strength, but he had the other kind of strength, exousia. Exousia is power from authority. Power because of his position. Power because here's the king of kings and lord of lords suffering under the weight of the cross. Suffering so that you and I could experience his strength. That's where we see Jesus suffering under the weight suffering under the extreme weakness. And so you have this paradox that the road to life is through death. 
The way to strength is through weakness. And Jesus is trying to teach us the way that we can be led into more and more strength. And so I believe there's a couple things that I have for you that if we're going to experience the strength of Jesus, that, that we need to recognize if we're going to experience the strength of Jesus, there's a couple things that are required. And the first one is this. Strength comes from dying to self. Strength comes from dying to self. Now, I know, I know, I know this ain't popular. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, encouraging Pastor Lance will be back, I promise you. Um, I know this isn't a popular message to grow your church, but I'm more interested in your spiritual growth than growing my church. I believe that God, God will grow the church. I, I just have to be faithful to preach what he's telling me to preach. And I, what I see is this paradox that, that Jesus tried to help the disciples and prepare them for what he was going to do way back when, when he taught them in Matthew earlier, when he would teach them about the way to life is through the cross. And he said in Matthew 16, verse 24 through 26, then Jesus said in preparation to the disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must do what? Deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For he goes on to say, for what, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will find it. And you see, you have this paradox that, that we think that we need to find our life and we need to think that, you know, we need to make ourselves strong and now I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to try harder and I'm going to go to more Bible studies and I'm going to go to church every Sunday and I'm going to take notes when Pastor Lance is preaching, not play Candy Crush and, and be on Facebook and, and I'm going I'm to read my Bible every morning. I'm going to do my Devo. I'm going to get a streak every day of the year on my Bible app and I'm going to just, I'm going to go to connect group. I'm going to serve in the church. I'm going to try so hard. And the reality is, is we fail because we're trying to do it in the power of self rather than through the power of Christ. And, and I want to remind us this morning, and I think this is a big problem. This is, I, I really believe that part of the reason people leave the faith or they, they step away. I remember one time talking to a guy and, and he, left, he left Christianity, he left the faith, he walked away, and he was totally unashamed about it. And I, I asked him, I said, you know, what, why, you know, why? What, what made you walk away from your faith? And he's like, it's pretty simple, it didn't work. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean it didn't work? You know, unpack that for me a little bit. It didn't work, you know, I tried it. Like, I know Jesus forgive me and he loved me, but then I tried to follow him and I continued to sin. I was still weak and... And it just, my life didn't really change that much. It did in the beginning. In the beginning, I was excited. God forgave me. And, and I really wanted to follow him. I, was, I, I really loved him. I, I read my Bible, and it seemed alive to me. And, um, but something faded as I began to try to follow Jesus. It just stopped working. It just didn't work anymore, and I lost those feelings. And I believe this is where a lot of us find ourselves, maybe even this morning. Is, is that we have gravitated to this worldly idea that we've gotten saved. Yes, thank you, Jesus, for setting me free from condemnation, guilt, and shame. We've got our slate cleared. He washed our sin away. He cast it as far as the east is from the west. And then 
what we do is we try to go back and try to do the Christian life and follow Jesus in our own self-strength. We rely on self-reliance, self-confidence, self-power, you name it. There's a lot of selves that if we're going to be honest with each other, that we, we lean into and God never meant for us to follow him in ourself. In fact, it's the reason why he was telling him, listen, if you're going to follow me, if, if you're really going to experience the life that I'm going to die to give you, if you're going to really experience and be empowered to follow me, here's how it begins. You don't try harder. You give up. You die. You pick up your cross daily and you follow me. And so a lot of people are confused. Well, what does that mean? Do I walk around with a cross all day, Pastor Lance? How does this work? You know, this picking up my cross and following you. No, what it means, Paul said, I die daily. What it means is that I live each day fully recognizing I cannot do this on my own self. I have no power within me to follow Jesus if it wasn't for the grace of Christ. I have no way to have strength enough to resist temptation to sin. Because my flesh, my old man, is still there, and he's still going to pull me back into this old way of living, uh, trying to do it in myself, strength, and my own self-power, and my own self-will, and Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the way to my power. If you want to experience my power, it begins with taking up your cross and following me. And I love that in this passage that we read this morning, we see Jesus in his humanity. Now, this isn't explicitly in the Bible, but there are many uh, historical texts and even pictures that lead us to believe that Jesus, and because of the condition the hypovolemic shock that he was in, it would back that up, that he actually stumbled and fell three times on his way, on this journey, carrying, trying to carry the weight of your sin and my sin represented with that beam on the cross. And at some point, maybe it was the third time, that would just be like God because there's something about three. Just like three times he prayed in the garden. There's something about the third time that maybe after the third time that he stumbled and that he fell, that they pull this man, they take this man, Simon of Cyrene, and they say, hey, you carry his cross for you. And it's a beautiful picture that even Jesus, being fully God, yet fully human, was suffering under so much weakness and the weight of everything that he was carrying that Jesus needed help. I believe that this is a beautiful picture of what Jesus would later do when he said, wait in Jerusalem for the gift that I'm going to send you, that I'm going to send you power. I'm going to give you this helper, this paraclete that is going to come alongside of you and be the power, be the strength that when you're willing to die to yourself and allow my resurrection life and power to come alongside you, come in you and give you the strength that you need to walk every step daily. I think 650 yards uphill, Jesus had to carry that cross. And I believe every step of the way was just like every day, every moment, every moment. He, and then the beauty of Jesus. 
I love this. Do you know that part of dying to yourself is realizing it's not all about you? We're about to celebrate Easter. Can I tell you something, church, because I love you? It's not all about you. There are people out there that are stumbling under the weight of their sin and condemnation and anxiety and stress and depression and brokenness and addiction and divorce and broken families and weakness that you and I have been empowered by the Holy Spirit with inner strength to not just be strong in ourselves because it ain't all about us, but when we deny self, I also think it's a beautiful picture of the church. This man, Simon, coming alongside Jesus and helping him, just like you and I are called to get out of ourselves. Man, you might think handing somebody an Easter invite is, is stupid. You might think, this is, this is cheesy. My church just wants me to grow the church so that Pastor Lance can feel better about how many people come for Easter. Let me tell you, I could care less about how many people come to Easter if they don't come to Jesus. Like, I'm concerned about people coming to Jesus. And you have the power in your hand to come alongside somebody and say, can I help you? Let me introduce you to Jesus. Let me bring you to the house of God so that you can hear the message, the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ, and you can get the, the weight broken off you so that you can be empowered. That's what you and I, we get to do. But we need this strength, and the strength comes from not creating a better self. You know, there's this brand of Christianity, and even teaching today that is very dangerous, I believe, in the body of Christ. You know what it is? It is that now that I'm saved, I can become a better version of me. Like now I add Jesus on to old me. Like he's gonna make old me better. He didn't come to make your old you better. He came so that the old you would die and you would resurrect into new life that he has for you. There is no resurrecting a dead body. It's either dead or it's alive. And look what Paul would be trying to get this through. I, I can't. I can't make, Jesus doesn't make, he didn't come to make my life better. He came to make me new. He came to transform me into another, into another person. There is no resurrecting my old life. Paul would say it so eloquently that reckon it dead. That's what we do in the baptismal tank. Like my old life is not me anymore. I don't live that way anymore. I don't try to follow Jesus in my old way of doing things. I recognize that there's no way I could follow Jesus in my old way of doing things, that I need to learn the new way, the living way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he showed us the way by saying, if you take, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow who? Me. Follow my way. And look what his way was. Pick up your cross. So what does that look like? It can look like instead of just coming to church, um, you know, maybe you go and pick up somebody and bring them to church. Maybe instead of just getting strength for yourself, you send a text to somebody that you know needs some strength. 
Maybe instead of just reading your Bible, that when you're reading your Bible and you're getting strength from it, there's a scripture verse that sticks out to you and say, brother, I feel like the Lord is, is, is put this verse on my heart for you because I know you're going through something right now and I know that this verse can strengthen you in your inner man. And so God, I just pray, Father, right now that you strengthen my brother in Christ. I pray that your Holy Spirit and power and resurrection life would come up in him and that he would overcome what he's walking through right now because when he is weak, he's actually strong. And so I speak life over you in Jesus' name. We get out of ourselves, get out of our self-confidence. Man, I'm telling you, look what Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verse 5 through 7. He said this, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, the cross, we will certainly also be united with him in what? A resurrection like his. That's the power. The resurrection is the power. He says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. I'm not making it better. I'm killing it. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And so this is where our struggle against the greatest weakness that you and I have is sin, is our old man, is trying to follow Christ in the old man, the, the flesh, and yet if we will die to self, the Bible calls this good works. This is exactly what Jesus came to end. He fulfilled the law. You understand that, right? Like there is nothing good that you can do that could warrant God's love for you, that he will never love you anymore because of what Jesus did for you as you. So he imparted to you all his righteousness. That means you are good, your slate is clean. Too many times we look at salvation as glass half empty. Jesus paid for the penalty of sin. That's forgiveness. But do you know what else he did? <laughs> he gives you the power to overcome sin in your life. And this is... Man, the devil don't want you to get this this morning. Let me tell you, because if you get the revelation of this, if it hits you, if this truth gets all up in you and it begins to change you and transform the way that you live, you'll never be the same again because you're not going to see self and sin the, the way that you've seen it before. You're going to tap into a source of power that you've never tapped into before. I die daily. I said, nevertheless, this is where Jesus won the battle. Nevertheless, not my will. The battle isn't won in the battle. The battle is won in private before the battle. And when you are willing to die daily, there's a power that comes on you that empowers you and gives you a grace to do what God has called you to do. Which leads me to my second thing, and that is this. Strength comes from living in dependence on God, not independent from his grace. I'm going to say that again. Strength comes from living in dependence on God, not independent from his grace. If we're going to be honest with each other, a lot of our Christian life is damage control. <laughs> like we get in trouble and we recognize, uh-oh, I need God. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get out of this situation. I don't have enough smarts. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough strength. Um, so I call on God in those times. And in those moments, I believe they're, they're gifts from God to remind us that 
we are fully dependent on God. Like, the Christian life isn't that we live independently of God and then call on him when we need him. <laughs> the Christian life is living independence of God every single day. So here, here again, here's the paradox. God allows me to suffer and to experience weakness so that we will turn to him and depend on God. And in our dependence on God, we will be strengthened by God to overcome our weakness. Y'all get that? So this is what messed with me when I was an early Christian. Because when I, when I came to Christ, there were some things God took away right away. Like he took away desire to party and chase girls and a lot of stuff. You know, I was trying to clean up myself. I was trying to do it to my own self-power, and it wasn't working. I was trying to follow God. I was trying to read the Bible, and it wasn't working. And then I surrendered myself to God, and all of a sudden, he says, now you're ready. And boom, he put his life inside of me. And when he did that, something shifted. I didn't have desires that I had before. I had new desires. I had a new man living inside of me. And I had strength over some of those areas that before I was powerless in. But there's an asterisk. I always messed with me because he left some weakness in my life. And I didn't get it for a long time. Like, God, why would you deliver me from this, 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 and this? But why did you leave this here? Why couldn't you just take care of that? I'm like, come on, man, just take it away. I don't want this here. And just, just like that, I believe Paul, the great apostle Paul, experienced the same thing. It's interesting that Jesus was suffering under a crown of thorns. And yet Paul would say, I've got this thorn in my side that is a weakness and it's causing me to suffer and I don't like it. It's tripping me up and it's tripping me out. And so Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 8, he says, I pleaded, pleaded, God, come on, take this away. How many of us have done that? How many of us, if we're going to be honest, we've said, God, you've got to take this away. You've got to remove it. I, I can't live with this anymore. Would you just take it away? It's causing me to be weak. It's causing me to stumble. Three times he pleaded with the Lord to do what? Take it away. See, this, this is what we want from God. We don't want to stay weak. We want him to take away our weakness. And look at God's response after the pleading. But he said to me, my grace, the supernatural empowerment of God, is sufficient. All that you need for my power is made perfect in what? In my strengths, in my abilities. No, in my weakness. And then he goes on to say this. He said, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses. Paul, Paul made friends with his weakness because he understood something that you and I will never tap into the supernatural grace of God until we wrestle with ourself, surrender ourself and our weakness and to learn how to experience the empowerment of being dependent on God for our source of strength. What's your source of strength today? Where do you turn for your strength? Red Bull? Because bro, I tell you, it ain't gonna give you wings. It'll give you a heart arrhythmia, but it ain't gonna give you wings. No, seriously, though, where do you turn for your source of strength? Because for, for, for a lot of us, I, I believe the, the true test of 
What we're dependent on is when we suffer, when we're weak, right? And I thought it was interesting. Paul would go on to say, that's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Now, now Paul, he had this thorn in his side, and for a lot of us, a lot of our weaknesses is directly related to our sin that we struggle with. And us trying to overcome our sin in our own strength and in better ourselves. And I already taught you that that's not the way we win that battle. We win that battle by surrendering and denying self and learning to lean into the power of God. But he says, there's this other weakness in my life, and that's external. And, and you're very familiar with it. These are weaknesses in my character. These are failures. These are, these are bents in my character that, that I've gotten wounded as a child. And for many of us, we've experienced wounds early on in life. That's why the enemy comes at you when you're young. Because he knows if he can inflict you and wound you when you're young, that you have a wound. And when you're wounded and you don't know Jesus, where do you turn for your source of strength? And where do you turn for healing? Where do you turn for compassion? My Bible says that, that Jesus went through and suffered. One of the reasons he suffered, it says that we have a high priest that suffered so that he can empathize with our what? Our weaknesses. And yet we consistently turn to other sources to ease our pain, to comfort us, to be our source of strength. So I thought it was, it was interesting as I was studying the Via Della Rosa, you know, the, uh, the Catholic Church believes in the 12 stations of the cross, and, and a lot of it's from historical data, not just biblical, so it's extra biblical. Um, but there is something to those stations and the steps of the way. And there was one I found this picture really cool. One of the stations of the cross, I think it's station five, is this place where they, they say that Jesus, when, when, he, when he stumbled, that he put his hand to brace himself on the wall. And now there's a, there's a, there was a handprint of his blood on the wall. And because of that, people would go and they would put their hand where Jesus' hand was. And, and they felt like, man, if I could just put my hand on the blood. How many of you know there's power in the blood? There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. And over the years of people putting their hand on the rock, it wore, up, wore down, wore down, wore down, wore down. And now it looks like this. It almost looks like a heart, doesn't it? It almost looks like a heart pumping out blood. And this is a place where people go and they, they put their hand on there. And I thought, oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit said, and wanted me to ask you, where are you putting your hand when you're weak? A lot of us, we got crutches in our lives. We got places that when we're weak, we're tired, we're burdened. We put our hand on the bottle we put our hand on the pill. We put our hand on the porn. We put our hand on the money. We put our hand on a lot of things as a crutch to hold us up in times where we're weak because we can't handle it and we don't know what to do. And instead of turning to God for our source of strength and being dependent on him, what it teaches us at a very young age is to be dependent on other things than God for our source of comfort, for our source of strength. And this is why we've got to die to ourselves because our old self will want to pull you back to that place where you got to lean on a crutch. But can I tell you, crutches are temporary. 
They don't bring healing. They just hold you up for a little while. But eventually, you got to get made strong so that you could stand on your own. And too many of us were limping through life with a crutch. I love that when Jacob wrestled with what is a Christophany, it was Jesus, it was the angelic version of Jesus. And I believe that this is exactly what Jesus wants to do to some of us this morning as we close. Is he wrestled. He wrestled with Jacob because Jacob had a bigger destiny on his life. But Jacob was trying to fulfill that destiny and calling in his own strength, in his own ability, in his own way. Manipulating, twisting, making things happen. He was a, he was a self-made man. And Jesus had to confront him and wrestle self out of him. And he weakened him to the point where he said, let me go. And Jacob said something so profound that I think we've got to have this kind of resolve. Jacob got to the point that said, you know what? I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of being this way. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm not going to let you go until you strengthen me. And you know how God strengthened him? He touched the socket of his hip and made him lame. That was the blessing. <laughs> Could you imagine Jacob? No, no way. I think you misunderstood me, God. Um, I wanted a blessing, not a curse. I wanted to be strong, not weak. And Jesus says, yeah, no, I, I heard you the first time. My blessing is the weakness because it's in your weakness that you're going to learn to depend on me for your source of strength. No longer are you going to rely on yourself strengthen you and to do what I've called you to do. Now you're going to walk with a limp. Man, be careful about people who don't walk with a limp. I walk with a limp. There's times when I can tell you that I don't even know if I could get up here and preach to you. This morning was one of those mornings. Hardly slept last night. Felt weak. Felt like I didn't have anything in me to give you, feed you. Many of you don't know my story, but I wrestled with anxiety for years to the point where I went through a period of time where I couldn't even sleep for like a week or two. I was so tired. Weak. If any of you have experienced lack of sleep for long periods of time, you know your mind starts doing crazy stuff. You feel so disconnected from God and from life. And, and I was broken. broken. Some of us are broken. We feel like because we're broken, we're disqualified from the life of God and the strength of God. And that's exactly how I felt. There's this quote by Leonard Cohen I want to share with you in closing, and I promise we're going to close. He said, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. God left this crack in my life and he said, no, I'm not going to take it away. He said, but my power is going to be made perfect in you and through you. And you need to learn to depend on me for your source of strength. Some of you are going through things right now, and we're closing. Some of you are going through things right now. You're suffering. You're weakened. I don't know what your weakness is, but I know this. 
I know that God put this message on my heart for someone here today to remind you that your source of strength isn't in yourself. You gotta let that old man die. You gotta let that old way of thinking die. You gotta let those old habits die. If you're gonna experience next Sunday that resurrection life and power that we're gonna gather around and celebrate together, and if you're gonna experience the reality of it, this is where it begins. You gotta die to yourself. Take up your cross. So I don't know what that is for you. I know what it is for me. But I know it, it begins at the place of prayer. Prayer is the place of, of, of reckoning. It's the wrestling. And too many of us were so weak because we don't go to the Lord in prayer. And I'm not just coming to him with our list of things we need and requests. I'm talking to him just communion, straight up like, God, I need you. I can't do anything today without you. I am fully dependent on you. I surrender to you, God. It was in that place in the garden that empowered Jesus. Remember now, three times, I thought it was interesting, three times Jesus fell on the ground and prayed, nevertheless, not my will, yours be done. And in Luke's version of the gospel, the third time, it says that there was an angel that came and strengthened him. It gave him grace. It gave him the very power to put one foot in front of the other, to carry the weight of the cross and suffer so that you and I could experience the strength. Would you stand to your feet? Some of you here today, maybe you're watching online that all your life, you've tried to clean yourself up, make yourself better so you can present yourself to God so that he can accept you somehow and forgive you of your sin. And can I tell you, that's never gonna happen. You'll exhaust yourself. And some of us, we're tired, we're weary of trying harder, doing better. And that somehow if we're good enough, God will maybe forgive me and accept me. That is missing the whole point of why Jesus came. Jesus came because you and I, we're not strong enough to be good enough, to do enough good so that the Father can accept us. Jesus was strong on our behalf and went to the cross and took your sin and my weakness and our suffering on him so that he could give you his righteousness so that you don't have to work for it. You just receive it by grace. It is a gift. And yet here we are striving, striving, wearing ourselves out, trying to be pleasing to God and God saying, no, I already love you. You're already my son, you're my daughter. If you would just receive it. So for some of us right now, that's the moment where you get to make a decision. Are you gonna receive the grace of God, his forgiveness in your life and the very power that comes with it to live a holy life? Or are you gonna keep trying on your own? It's the moment where you can surrender to God. For some of us, maybe you once were in relationship with God, but you've walked away from God. You've become independent of his life and of his power. Today's the day you make a commitment, a recommitment, to surrender yourself to God and to his strength in your life. And so I want us to all pray for that together. I want to pray this prayer together. If that's you, let this prayer come from your heart. Come on, can we pray this together? Jesus. Thank you for dying as me, for me. Will you forgive me 
of all my sin. Wash me clean. Would you come into my life and make all things new? I surrender myself to you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.